RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. Cathay Pacific says it can't rule out further staff cuts after posting a record loss. A top official admits that planned electoral reforms will erase Hong Kong's democratic gains since 1997. And the authorities order pension managers not to accept BNO visas as proof that people are leaving the SAR for good. Cathay Pacific has refused to rule out further staff cuts after posting a record loss of $21.6 billion last year as the pandemic wiped out demand for travel. The flag carrier axed 8,500 jobs in October as part of a major group restructuring. Cathay Pacific Chairman Patrick Healy said while there were no immediate plans for more redundancies, the airline was still in survival mode. We remain in an extremely uncertain and dynamic environment. There are no immediate plans for further action of that type. But frankly, the situation is so dynamic and so uncertain that we're not in a position where we could rule anything out. Mr Healy says the airline's prognosis for 2021 remains largely unchanged from its assessment in October that it expects passenger traffic to remain well below half that of pre-pandemic levels. When we announced that restructuring, we did so on the basis of certain assumptions about 2021. Those assumptions were that the first half we'd be operating at well under 25% of passenger capacity, that we would see some improvement in the second half, but that overall for 2021, we would still be operating below 50%. Executive Council convener Bernard Chan has conceded that the changes Beijing is planning for Hong Kong's electoral system will wipe out the SAR's democratic development since the handover, Jimmy Choi reports. In an interview with RTHK from Beijing, where he's attending the annual MPC session, Mr Chan said it's a pity that Hong Kong is going back to where it was in the early days after the handover regarding democratic development. But electoral reforms over the years have failed to achieve their intended purpose, he says. Mr Chan said he understands that people may be disappointed with the electoral changes and could lose interest in politics, but he believes their trust will be regained over time. He asked that if Beijing doesn't have confidence in the political situation in Hong Kong, the one country, two systems principle might be abandoned. Mainland officials have wrapped up the annual session of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference in Beijing. Residents passed by the advisory body include one that supports the full implementation of the principle of patriots ruling Hong Kong. The Mandatory Provident Fund Schemes Authority has instructed pension managers not to accept the new BNO visas issued by the UK as proof that people are leaving Hong Kong for good. This could prevent people moving to Britain from withdrawing their pension funds early. Francis Sitt reports. People usually can't take any money out of their MPF accounts until they reach 60, unless they're leaving Hong Kong for good, and they need to provide documentary proof to get their money early. Reports suggest that at least one major pension fund manager, Manulife, accepts the new British National Overseas, or BNO, visas issued by the UK as evidence that account holders are moving away permanently. But the MPF scheme's authority issued a statement saying this isn't right, since the government has already stopped recognizing BNO passports as valid travel documents or identity proof. It said the BNO passport or its associated visa hence cannot be used as evidence in such applications. The authority said MPF trustees have the duty to observe Hong Kong laws when managing pension funds and must act as a gatekeeper when reviewing evidence supplied by account holders. It added that it would follow up on the issue with MPF trustees. Health authorities are urging people who have visited Ursus Fitness in Saiyingpun since the start of this month to contact them as soon as possible after a fitness trainer there came down with COVID-19. 
Nine staff and customers at the same gym have tested preliminary positive for the virus. Here's Francis Sit again. The 27-year-old trainer sent in a sample for COVID testing on Monday and went to work the next day before a positive result came back. He didn't have any symptoms, but at least nine other people who went to the same gym have tested preliminary positive for the coronavirus. He's one of the three local infections that have no known source. Another untraceable case involves a 26-year-old project assistant who works at a Kuntong care home for people with disabilities. Some 70 residents and staff there have been quarantined. In all, Hong Kong recorded eight new COVID-19 cases, six of which are locally acquired. The two imported cases are both from the Philippines. Meanwhile, another 86-year-old COVID patient has died, taking the city's pandemic death toll to 203. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Hong Kong has begun inoculating people against coronavirus with Germany's BioNTech vaccine. Some of the first in the queue believe they told RTHK they believe the jab will be safer and more effective than the Sinovac one that's also available. Natalie Ching reports. Seven vaccination centres across the territory are now providing the BioNTech jabs for priority groups at first. Many of those who had appointments at the Kalantong Centre on the first day were foreign residents. And people we spoke to said they were confident about receiving the vaccine, including this 80-year-old man. I am not afraid at all, not at all, because they have full medical reports published and uh, millions and millions of people abroad have already taken the jabs. I know there's no uh, serious side effects. Ms Lam, who is a pharmacist, agreed that any side effects should be mild. From the overseas experience, this vaccine is also used in other high-risk groups, actually, for elderly and also something with chronic disease. So I still feel confident with this vaccine. Mr. Azim, who is 76, said he wasn't concerned about having an adverse reaction to the jab. I'm in good health, so no problem for me. We were told that Pfizer is the best. This is Pfizer is more efficacy. Another of those getting inoculated, Mr. Lam, said he didn't want to take the Sinovac jab after seeing new reports about deaths and hospitalizations among people who received it. I'm not confident about it. You can see on the news one case after another. If I'm unlucky, I might be one of them. Authorities and experts have said they don't believe the recent deaths were linked to the Sinovac jabs. And some of those taking the BioNTech vaccine told us they would have preferred Sinovac, but they couldn't get an appointment slot. Eight activists from the Labour Party and the League of Social Democrats have been handed suspended prison sentences after being found guilty of breaching the government's public gathering limit by staging a protest on Labour Day last year. Joanna Wong has details. Prosecutors told Eastern Court that Leung Kwok Hong, Lee Chuk Yan, Avery Ng, Raphael Wong, Stephen Kwok, Stanley Ho, Chang Kin Ching and Mac Tak Ching violated the ban on gatherings of more than four people on the morning of May the 1st last year. They had been given penalty tickets by the police as they attempted to march from Admiralty Centre to the government's headquarters. The demonstration was to protest against the ban on Labor Day demonstrations. Defence lawyers had argued that the protests had only lasted around 10 minutes and the participants had worn masks and kept a distance from each other. But in sentencing, Magistrate Chiang Kei Hong said the fact that the activists had shared microphones and loudspeakers showed that they had gathered with a common purpose. He said the group had ignored several police warnings and had willingly violated the gathering restrictions imposed amid the pandemic as he handed down suspended 14-day prison terms for all eight defendants. Speaking after the hearing, 
the League of Social Democrats Avery Ng described the magistrate's decision as absurd, questioning why a gathering ban breach that usually incurs a fine now merits a suspended jail sentence. The police say they've crushed the syndicate that allegedly lured its victims in with a promise of dates with models before threatening to expose them unless they handed over more money. Natalie Ching reports. The force arrested five men aged between 22 and 57 on suspicion of obtaining property by deception and money laundering. Officers were investigating 11 cases of fraud relating to compensated dating, where victims lost $2.8 million. Investigators say victims were told through online platforms to pay a deposit before they could meet models for companionship or sex. The victims were then threatened, they said, with having their personal information exposed unless they paid even more money. And these demands were repeated several times. The police didn't explain why the victims feared having their information exposed. Chief Inspector Tai Si Ban said most of the victims were male, and one victim lost nearly a million dollars. Officers said there had been a more than 12% rise in such cases over the past year, with victims, nearly all of whom were male, cheated out of $32 million. Overseas now, and U.S. President Joe Biden is to hold joint talks on Friday with the leaders of Australia, India and Japan, boosting an emerging four-way alliance often cast as a bulwark against China. Richard Pine reports. The virtual meeting of the so-called Quad will be one of President Biden's first summits and comes amid rising tensions with China. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters the meeting will highlight the president's emphasis on bolstering U.S. alliances in the Indo-Pacific region. The Quad has met regularly at the working and foreign minister level. However, Friday will be the first time that the Quad is meeting at the leader level. That President Biden has made this one of his earliest multilateral engagements speaks to the importance we place on close cooperation with our allies and partners in the Indo-Pacific. She said the leaders will discuss climate change and the COVID-19 pandemic, while India says the talks will also touch on promoting maritime security and ensuring safe, equitable and affordable vaccines to fight COVID-19 in Asia. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison, meanwhile, says the meeting will be a historic event that will send a strong message to the region about the country's support for a sovereign, independent Indo-Pacific. Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Li Jian struck a cautionary note, telling reporters in Beijing that the Quad should conform to prevailing trends of peaceful development and win-win cooperation. The Quad was launched in 2007 by Japan's then Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, who was alarmed at China's growing assertiveness around Asia. President Biden has pledged in general terms to continue his predecessor's hawkish line on China, including by pressing on human rights and territorial disputes. But the Biden administration has promised what it considers a more productive approach that includes boosting ties with allies and finding limited areas for cooperation with Beijing, such as climate change. Meanwhile, Washington has announced that the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, will visit Japan and South Korea next week, his first foreign trip since taking up the post. Mr Blinken will be accompanied by the Defence Secretary, Lloyd Austin. Russia says it's restricting the use of Twitter by slowing the speed of the service. Russia's communications watchdog said the social media network had failed to remove banned content, including images of child abuse. From Moscow, the BBC's Steve Rosenberg reports. The Russian authorities announced they are reducing the speed of Twitter on all mobile phones in Russia and half of non-mobile devices. The media watchdog delivered a warning too, that if Twitter fails to delete offending material, the social media platform could be blocked here. 
Russia recently introduced heavy fines for sites that refuse to remove banned content. And under a new law, the Russian authorities can restrict social media platforms which are considered to have discriminated against Russian media. Twitter is a key platform for opposition activists in Russia, including supporters of the jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Soon after the announcement, several official websites appeared to be unavailable, including the Kremlin's, the government's and the communications watchdog itself. The military authorities in Myanmar have started expelling the families of railway workers from their state-owned housing in an attempt to break an indefinite general strike called by the main trade unions in protest at last month's coup. The BBC's Jonathan Head reports from Bangkok. Early this morning, hundreds of soldiers and police surrounded the state housing complex for railway workers at Malawagon Station in Yangon. They were given seven hours to leave. By afternoon, they could be seen walking along the railway line, carrying elderly relatives and suitcases. An appeal has gone out to find them food and shelter. The military is determined to win this war of attrition with the general population and seems untroubled by either the economic or the human cost. Sport now, and Brazil's world-famous Maracana Stadium is to get a new name after the authorities in Rio de, Rio de Janeiro voted to honour one of football's greatest players, Pelé. Here's the BBC's Candice Piet. Pelé played at the stadium many times for Brazil and scored his thousandth goal there in 1969 for Santos against the local club Vasco da Gama. Even so, the decision to name it after him was heated. Some MPs wanted the stadium to remain named after Mario Filho, the journalist who lobbied for its construction in the 1940s. There were also concerns that Pelé hadn't been born in Rio. But in the end, the king won. A worthy homage, said one MP, even though most people will still call Brazilian football's spiritual home after the district where it lies, the Maracanã. The NBA has released a, people, a list of people it's considering to adding, uh, adding to the Hall of Fame this year. 11-time NBA All-Star Chris Bosch, 5-time NBA champion Michael Cooper, 10-time NBA All-Star Paul Pierce and the first black NBA head coach Bill Russell are among those up for consideration as our three-time WNBA Most Valuable Player Lauren Jackson, two-time Olympic gold medalist Yolanda Griffin and WNBA Coach of the Year Marianne Stanley. In sailing, the holders, Team New Zealand and the challengers, Luna Rossa of Italy, have shared the first two races in this year's renewal of sport's oldest international competition, the America's Cup. New Zealand comfortably won the opening leg off Auckland, but the Italians came back to take the second race, making a better start than their rivals. And a reminder of our top stories tonight, Cathay Pacific says it can't rule out further staff cuts after a record loss. A top official admit, admits that planned electoral reforms will raise Hong Kong's democratic gains since 1997 and the authorities order pension managers not to accept BNO visas as proof that people are leaving the SAR for good. The news from RTHK. Thanks a lot. More from our newsroom coming up at midnight. Late night Changes everything, hands and faces, earth and sky. Love, love changes everything, how you live and how you.
of a show tune there to get us into this hour of the program love changes everything uh from the musical aspects of love um uh, composed uh, of course by uh, andrew lloyd reba and uh, the lyrics written by charles hart and uh and don black charles hart uh, English songwriter, uh, best known for his work on Phantom of the Opera. He's the man, Charles Hart, behind a lot of the Phantom of the Opera music. And Don Black, uh, he's, uh, again, uh, worked for uh, many famous people, including uh, Matt Monroe, Charles Strauss, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Quincy Jones, and so on. Uh, Love Changes Everything. Now, um, the biggest version of that came out in 1989. It was uh, Michael Ball uh, sung that. But uh, lots of vocalists have... Uh, have um, put that out, including uh, John uh, Barrowman, Michael Crawford, Sting as well, and um, Hayley Westerner, Sting and Shaggy, they did a version of that back in uh, 2018. That was uh, the original cast version. Love changes everything. From love changes everything to uh, everybody loves somebody. This is Dean Martin. Somebody, somehow Everybody falls in love somehow Something in your kiss just told me 
My sometime is now.